This is Crowcast, the podcast from Crow in the UK, a leading audit, tax, advisory and risk firm with global reach and local expertise. In our podcast, you will hear from our specialists, offering insights and pragmatic advice to businesses of all sizes, professional practices, non-profit organisations, pension funds and private clients. Hello, my name is Jane Mackay and I'm Head of Tax at Crow UK. Today was Rishi Sunak's third budget as Chancellor and it's the first delivered outside a peak COVID crisis situation. No doubt he and many others will have been heaving a huge sigh of relief that the OBR forecasts on economic growth were much better than predicted last time he was giving a budget announcement. And the so-called economic scarring from COVID doesn't appear to be as bad as everybody feared, but we're clearly not out of the woods yet, and there's still that huge COVID bill to deal with. I'm delighted today to be joined by three of my fellow tax partners, Lawrence Field, Rebecca Durrant and Rob Jannering, to talk about what's been announced today and uh, UK future taxation. Um, So, Lawrence... um, You've been writing a lot of articles recently about international developments and tax. What particularly stood out for you in today's budget? I think the um, biggest thing, and think about it mainly from a corporate tax perspective rather than anything else, was the real lack of vision. Um, it's six years since the uh, you know the budget, uh, the um, referendum for us to leave uh, to, to, to leave Europe. And we still really don't know what the government's got in mind for the economy and what we really want to do with that Brexit. Um, you know, if, if I'd been asked to set out what I was going to do, I don't think I'd have necessarily started with talking about ships and tonnage tax, air passenger duty and alcohol. Fruit cider. Uh, you know, fruit cider. I mean, these are all important things to some people, <laughs> but, you know, equally you'd go, surely there must be more to it than that. And I think, to me, that was the bit that was really missing. But I'd be interested to know what, for example, Rob thinks from a VAT perspective. What's what he thinks? Absolutely. You know, the point you say, Lawrence, about a lack of vision and taking advantage of Brexit, those themes just didn't come across. We've been helping clients for eight, nine, ten months now get over the challenges of Brexit, and and it's been hard, and a lot of them are beginning to settle down to a degree. But there were things you could have done, such as uh, being out of the EU. You now got control of your own VAT rates. And he could have lowered them on utility bills. It was widely touted before the uh, budget came along today, but that hasn't happened. Um, the VAT rules have been largely left intact. They're still very similar to what the EU rules were beforehand. And so we're not really any the wiser about what he might do in the future in that sphere. There has been a consistent theme for several years now, which is about making the UK an attractive place to do business. So. Um, just coming back to you, Lawrence, from a corporate perspective, what did you think of some of the announcements about R&D, for example? We spent a lot of time both trying to be an attractive place to do business, but one where companies need to be seen to be paying their fair share. So we've kind of had this scenario where um, we've uh, introduced a digital services tax, you know, the Amazon tax, trying you know slay the big big bogeymen of people doing business in this country and not paying enough. Um, and in recent weeks, there's actually been a you know an international agreement to change the way in which those big companies are taxed. 
And I would have thought that the government might have trumpeted that a bit more. I mean, this is an OECD agreement. It's changing the way, you know, international tax works for about the first time since 1950. And we just didn't get any mention yeah. of that whatsoever. And I was slightly surprised by that. You know, particularly when you think two or three years ago, the pressure the government was on to introduce a digital services tax to find a way of, you know, taxing Amazon and Facebook and all these, all these people. But is there anything about the digital services tax today? No, it was, I, I haven't found it yet. It wasn't mentioned, which I'm really surprised by, because it actually, under the terms of the agreement, has to be abolished in the next year or so. But, you know, maybe you know, maybe he's just waiting for another moment to do it. I think then going back to your point about, you know, becoming an innovative economy and, you know, this idea of what are we going to do about R&D, you know, we've got some pretty generous R&D reliefs. And I think, you know, probably for some good reasons, the Chancellor was thinking about, um, making sure that the jobs and the tax relief on which uh, R&D tax credits can be claimed actually takes place in the UK. And I think that's, on one hand, it's a good idea, but people have rarely outsourced the R&D simply because there's a tax break here and they can do something somewhere else. It's all about having the right skills. It's about having the right people, the right qualifications, the right experience. So you could see that what, what's likely to happen now is companies will step back and go, innovation, it's not just about tax relief, but it's about where can I get the people to do the work that really needs being done at the right price. And I think that's sort of an added complication that you know, maybe could drive some of the R&D away from the UK if it has a perverse effect. Rebecca, last time we spoke, you commented that you thought in terms of paying the bill for COVID, that the Chancellor had to make sort of some decisions about how he raised that tax and, and whether he went for just increasing taxes across a very large base. He obviously did announce a significant increase to national insurance contributions. Yeah. How, how's that going to affect your clients? That's a cost, an additional cost to the workers. It's additional cost on salaries, but then also it's an additional cost to the employer's national insurance side as well. So that's another another expense of that business that they've got to they've got to think about and you know the, the Chancellor talked a lot about you know as Lawrence was saying release and innovation for businesses and that's great and it really supports it but equally when they think about those additional employee costs plus the increase to the um, national living wage as well that's more pressure that's being put on them but on the flip side um, business owners then need to think about how they take their money out of the business and quite often there's that debate between salary, bonus or dividend and what this increase to national insurance and to dividend tax rates has done is close that gap so that that default position of shall we take a bonus or a dividend, well it's always a dividend, you know as a tax advisor I've been doing this for nearly 30 years and it's always been a dividend, that default position has changed and, and what, you'll be, what we'll be finding is that there'll be very much a bespoke calculation for individuals based on their own personal circumstances, on their own, you know, on the other income that they might have within the family as to whether or not that dividend is now that default position. So, Rob, um, you, you've given us some good insights on sort of Brexit and things that he could have done. I mean, there wasn't actually very much about VAT at all in the budget. You're right. There was very little mention of VAT in there. I think I found it mentioned maybe two or three times in the in the papers. Um, I think one of the things we had been hoping for, and, and Rishi Sunak talked about it, was that he wanted maybe a fairer and simpler tax system, and, and he made some talks and steps to do that. 
But as Rebecca's just said, there are now some changes that have happened that made things maybe more complicated. And, you know, there are all the reliefs are very good. But my experience of when I talk to HMRC about reliefs and our clients ask for them is to know where the reliefs stop and where they start. And understanding that is really important. Um, I'll give you an example. The, the relief on business rates could be really beneficial. But we were actually hoping that maybe the reduced rate of VAT currently at 12.5% for hospitality would be maintained. That's a COVID relief. It came in last July. It was 5% until October. It's meant to go back to 20% on the 1st of April 2022. But that's actually a much simpler saving for those businesses because, yes, it's complicated to change your software system, but you could do that relatively quickly to reassess your rate position apply for the relief, get it approved and actually see the cash come in, it's far more difficult. And I would have just liked to have seen VAT used to simplify uh, processes for businesses and maybe get the relief more quickly. Employee taxes, people being taxed on earned income and on the amount that they spend, that takes up nearly 70% of the tax take for the UK, the tax revenue of the UK. So, you know, going back to your point, Jane, what we talked about last year, he had to do something around that because the other taxes on the periphery would just not have brought in as much revenue. So just talking about those other taxes on the periphery, I mean, there's so much talk and there's been lots of papers about um, capital gains tax yeah. changes, IHT, simplification. We've been talking about capital gains right up to the point we were issuing treasury notices today and, and nothing has happened. Um, you know, our corporate finance team and people buying and selling businesses have been very excited about this for some time. And it's really put a lot of pressure on people to make some quite big decisions. Um, well, just and just to contextualise it, what, 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 are, what are the proposals? Proposals that have been put out there have been to equalise the tax rate for capital gains tax with income tax. So if you think at the moment, we are in the main paying 20% capital gains tax on the sale of, of an asset, 10% for some business business release. Um, we could be paying anything up to 45% income tax rates. So if we were to kind of bring those two in line, that's a huge, huge um, increase for somebody selling a business or a property, for example. It's a massive increase. But capital gains tax is a very, very small proportion of the tax deck. If you think about what we were just talking about for employment and VAT, I think it was about 9% historically. It has jumped up, I think I was reading this morning, to about 11 and a half over the last, the last year. And that is because of all this, you know, the, these rumours around these increases to tax rates. I think, you know, people have been accelerating disposals to try and take advantage of that. It's not materialised. Um, I actually think it only will materialise, and this is my own personal view, um, when somebody gets a hold of the whole capital taxes system and gives it a really good shake-up. Because there are so many anomalies between um, CGT and inheritance tax that those those two things also need to be balanced. Um, and inheritance tax is you know, predominantly seen and, and in the main is a tax for the wealthy. And until we kind of get a hold of that and do something about it, I don't think we'll change capital gains tax either. And in view of where we sit now in terms of when the next general election might be and their view about reducing taxes prior to the next the next election, I don't think we'll see any changes now for a couple of years at least. So Lawrence, just sort of summing up for you, what's your kind of what's your key takeaway? Um, 
I think ultimately as a country, we've got to pay for three things. And we've got to pay for COVID, we've got to pay for levelling up, and we've got to pay for decarbonisation in some form or another. Well, we've done our money on COVID already. Um, today, he spent like a drunken sailor on the levelling up piece. What are we going to do about climate change? Um, and there were no real taxes there or views about how we're going to pay for that. And I think it's going to be very much watch this space. Um, you know, there, there were rumours about what's going to happen to fuel duty. Well, clearly, if we all have electric cars and we don't need petrol anymore, there's a massive revenue gap that's going to be created there. And they are going to have to think of creative ways of filling that. So I think this is probably very much a first step. And probably picking up on what Rebecca said, I doubt we'll hear about the second step until after the next election. I feel slightly depressed after that sort of roundup, but I think I'm just going to sort of come back to the VAT rate reduction until April and all the changes to alcohol mm -hmm. duty. So actually, is our recommendation that everybody should go out and drink lots of rosé and prosecco and fruit cider? Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your insights. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll catch up with you next time. Tune in next time for another episode of Crowcasts. For more information about Crow, our services, industries we devise and insights, visit crow.co.uk. We are an independent member of Crow Global, one of the top 10 accounting networks in the world. You can connect with us on social media by following Crow UK on LinkedIn or at Crow UK on Twitter.